Vasudevaya Vasudevaya We live in quite an extraordinary time and not necessarily in a good way extraordinary. There have been tremendous social changes, particularly over the last hundred years. and monumental changes to people's value systems and the focus in life, things that are held important, things that are held to be sacred. we are perhaps more controlled today, our minds are more controlled than they have ever been. And when I say controlled, I'm not talking about our self-exercising control, but so many external forces. The tremendous advances in psychology have actually created a little bit of a monster. And we see it played out in social media where you have people studying how to get you all addicted and utterly dependent upon something which they control. And there is a great reluctance because of the nature of that addiction to even willingly admit to how big my problem is. It began with the development of advertising. Prior to the development of modern advertising, back in uh, around about 1920, the nephew of Sigmund Freud his name was Eddie Bernays, who was a highly influential person in America that hardly anyone knows about. He was a special consultant to the American president, Woodrow Wilson. Wilson. And he practiced the craft of the mass manipulation of minds to deliver messaging. And that craft used to be called propaganda. But then 
the way in which the Germans used propaganda in World War I gave the word propaganda a bad name. And so Eddie Bernays thought, hmm, we needed another name for this. So instead of propaganda, he coined the term public relations. Most people think, well, public relations, that's not a big deal. No, it's a really big deal if we understood what was behind it and where it came from. With the growth and development of, of modern psychology, psychiatry, people became increasingly aware how you could implant images and desires into people's minds and make them want things that they wouldn't normally want if they were just left to their own devices. And this craft became more and more sharpened and honed. They have made a very profound and deep study on the psychology of addiction, particularly through gambling. What is it that holds people's attention and their desires and make them come back again and again? And they use all of those methods in designing buttons on Facebook and Instagram, everything, everything, the psychology behind the technology is to make people incredibly addicted and unable to just function normally without, you know, the, feeling the need always to look. If you have a meeting with someone and they have put their phone on the table and you reach over and just move it, and continued talking, people are just like flipping out. Why they do that? <laughs> and then it, they've been very polite and put it on silent, and then it vibrates. And you know, trying to engage in a conversation, and the eyes keep going down there. What was that? What was that? What, who's that? Who, who's calling me? <laughs> Can't even function normally. The, the degree to which we have been, you know, we, we're in the grips of other people's influence is actually very troubling. And of course, it has led to what has now been described as an epidemic of unhappiness. We are seeing rates of depression and unhappiness that are un unparalleled in the history, the history of humanity. Particularly in the last 10 years. In the last 10 years, it's described as being, depending upon the nature of the study, anything from a 50 to 70% or more increase in unhappiness 
and depression over the last 10 years, and more than half of that in the last five years, and more particularly with younger people. Anybody that has experienced serious depression can attest to how powerless one feels in the grips of such a thing. The unhappiness, the suffering that occurs in this condition is happening where? Is it happening to your body? No. Where is it taking place? Taking place in the mind. Most of the greatest suffering, the unhappiness, the loneliness, is experienced within the mind one can actually suffer infinitely more in the mind than actually in the body. The body can only tolerate a certain amount of pain, and then there's this mechanism, you just black out. The mind is unfortunately not like that. Because we've grown up, in a, in a consumer-oriented world where we have been pummeled with messaging, we have built an entire society and lifestyle based upon envy and greed. Envy means you look at what someone else has and you go, wish I had that. There was a time not so long ago that envy was considered a very bad quality and people that were envious, you should steer clear of them. Now we have a whole economic system, a whole social system built on the messaging of envy. And greed means I am never satisfied. I always want more. Because there's always this promise that you will find happiness, you will find fulfillment in some experience, in some object, in a relationship, in something. And then I try to acquire that and I find that it doesn't actually touch me within my heart of hearts. Doesn't matter how much I, stuff I can acquire, how much experience I can have, it's never enough. I'm always wanting more in the hope 
that I can find fulfillment somewhere. So while there is a great deal of expertise that has been developed in the Western world and now throughout the world on how to manipulate people's minds, there is not a great deal of information about the actual nature of the mind. Wherever you find yourself in life, with its unhappiness or difficulty or the good things, you have arrived there as a result of choices that you've made and actions that you have taken. And every choice that you made and every action that you took originated with an idea in the mind, some stimulation of the mind, some promise to the mind. And then I do it. I, I teach um, mindfulness and meditation classes in, in one of the in the maximum security prison in Auckland and dealing with murderers and rapists and violent criminals. It's just so apparent and it's apparent to them when you talk to them about it that everything starts in the mind and then you act out what is in the mind and for every action that you make there is a consequence there is a result it is inescapable you cannot act and not receive the fruit of your action if your life is unhappy that is a fruit Learning how to make absolutely brilliant choices and to act on those choices so that we can receive a result that actually ennobles our life, makes our life better, makes our life actually can create the experience of true happiness, this all begins with the mind. Unfortunately, one of the more corrupting things connected with advertising is there has been over, and it's, and it's particularly over the last 60 years, this tremendous focus with the message, don't resist. If you have a desire, act on it. Nike has got it down. Just do it. 
And of course, that's fantastic for anybody that's trying to sell you things. The more you uh, feel compelled to just give in and do whatever you know you desire, and then it's not even your desire; it's being planted in your mind. There is this uh, just amazing amount of activity that's you know goes into planting ideas in your mind. And then you're told, do not exercise control. No, that's a bad thing. Be free. You're not free. You're enslaved by desire, planted by others, and you're just going around acting on it, and then you wonder why you're not happy. Surprise. So... The things that I'm hopefully pointing out reasonably clearly is that society, humanity, has charted this course into this unknown territory that, that for thousands of years people didn't live this way. And we begin to, to embrace all this propaganda that you should be able to do anything that you want, any time that you want, and that defines freedom. No, it doesn't. You are held accountable for every single act that you perform. There will be a consequence. You may be free to make a choice, but it doesn't mean you are free from the consequences of your choice. And then your life becomes unhappy and we want to blame everybody else. No, it's our own, our own doing. One of the reasons that, that we have a, a really great success in our, in our prison programs, it's in helping people come to understand that, that our approach to dealing with these things, we've got a different paradigm. For the most part, except for some individuals, for the most part, modern psychology or psychiatry is a two-dimensional paradigm. One is the physical external being, the body, and the second one is the mind. That's, the, that's it. And if the mind is not functioning properly, it could be attributed to some physiological thing like a chemical imbalance. Although you have this massive, massive industry of producing psychotropic substances, mood-altering things, and yet they have not cured actually cured one psychiatric ailment. Just trying to make people feel better, get a grip. Our approach is based on ancient wisdom. That there is a body, there is a mind, but there is also another component the living being who by nature is spiritual. The body and the mind are material. 
the living being who occupies the body and uses it and the mind is spiritual. And for this reason, people can practice mindfulness. We teach like when any, any heightened emotional state, whether it's considered positive or negative, in a heightened emotional state, you should never make any serious decision. Let everything go. Calm down. Whether you're elated about some experience, oh, he was he was so amazing. <laughs> and you make some r- ridiculous decision in a heightened state of emotion, and invariably it turns it, it's crash and burn territory, or at least that one didn't work out so well. With negative emotions, it's exactly the same. It's worse. In the state of anger or great fearfulness, when one makes a decision on a course of action, it's usually not very good. The reason... so. Uh, what we teach people is is what we call learning how to hit the pause button. That when when you're being caught up in some state, you've got to learn how to hit the pause button, stop talking. Stop talking. What you say is, it's going to come back to bite you. Stop talking. Disengage. I need a bit of quiet time. Disengage. Calm down. Get a grip. And when you are on an even keel, then consider, how should I deal with this? What is in my best interest and another person's best interest? What is going to be the path of less suffering, of less unhappiness? Is there an option for a a good outcome? And then we make a choice, and we act on that. And this is the key to living a good life. If you don't do this, if you are constantly enslaved, by your mind and what's going on in it and your emotions, which are all, you know, that's that realm, you will fundamentally be continuously, you will experience unhappiness and difficulties. The reason that you have the capacity to hit the pause button and to step back and say, we're taking a time out on this one, it is because the mind is not you. You have a capacity to control the mind. You have a capacity to rein it in. You have a capacity to determine what's the contents of your mind is going to be, what you're going to think about, what kind of thoughts you are going to have. It's always amazed me that 
um, <laughs> we have this like really unfortunate tendency. We spend so much of our time and life obsessing about things that we have no control over. And the things that we do have control over, we spend almost no time dealing with that. Example, when somebody speaks to me in a way that is extremely hurtful, I have no control over what somebody else is going to do or say or behave. I have no control over that. Not really. I do have control over how I'm going to process that and how I'm going to respond. And instead of focusing on that, I get all upset. And, the way they talk to me, I can't <laughs> You know, just flipping out and getting upset or angry or so hurt and everything and just obsessing about what somebody did or what they said. They unliked me on Facebook. <laughs> That's actually a big problem now, particularly with younger people. I'm serious. If somebody unlikes you, it's kind of like, hey, they were never your friend anyway. Do you really think that that's a friend? Somebody that presses like or friend, you think that that constitutes a friend? No, it doesn't. That's fantasy world. Then when somebody unfriends them, they just flip out, especially if it sets off a whole chain reaction and like 15 or 20 people unfriended them. It's like, you know, razor blade, please. <laughs> Making a joke of it, but it's serious. And things like this do happen. So we exist in a, in a time and in, in a world where very much very much so, we are not in control of our own minds. That things are being fed us constantly. And we are not in control enough of our decision-making. The nature of the actions that we take and yet this is actually the key to living a purposeful, a happy life. The process of meditation is, is incredibly important because its primary purpose, well, let me step back a bit. Its initial purpose is to make it so that you can actually begin to exercise control of your mind. That you can actually begin to engage in placing really good content in your mind. 
the primary reason for engaging in meditation is to come to know yourself. And as we were doing this little exercise earlier, the reality is the body is not you. This is a temporary place that you're hanging out. It will grow old and it dies. Nobody escapes. The body is not you. If you spend your entire life invested only in this thing which is external and seek fulfillment, happiness, love only through this medium, if you think that you will find or discover how lovable you are, how attractive you are, only based upon this external thing, I'm sorry, this is the path to unhappiness. We are eternal spiritual beings temporarily residing within this body. And we are meant to be utilizing the mind as an instrument in this experience that we call life to navigate our way through, to live a life of purpose, a life of happiness and fulfillment, and to experience in the end that there is no big deal when it comes to leaving this body. You can have a brilliant life and a fearless death. You can find true spiritual significance. You can find tremendous, limitless happiness. You can experience the greatness of true spiritual love. But you must begin to consciously choose a new course in life. If you do not exercise control of the mind, then you will become a victim. You look at derelicts in the street you look at people that are drug addicts. You look at people that are sold into prostitution or other forms of enslavement. If we do not learn how to actually become the master and controller of our mind, then it is very difficult for us to find real happiness. Is, is this too much of a bummer? Am I a bummer guy or what? <laughs> I, I don't do the 
unicorns and butterflies, sorry. But I do do happiness. I do do love. I do do meaning and purpose. And it's not like some far off thing. These techniques that we'll look at today in some of the practices are really, really practical. And you know, the, the most far out thing, they actually really work. You know, for people that are new or people that have come before or, I mean, with Kalindi and Ben for some time here in Darwin, you know, you, you will you will often have this ex very touching experience, like there's something very nice. The heart feels tremendously softened. There is a warmth and a shelter that is offered in these processes. But this subject is so big, we can't possibly cover it in the time that we have allocated today. I'm, I'm just scratching the surface in the hope that it will help some of you directly or if you're inclined, that it will stimulate an interest to actually begin to consider adopting some of these things that will actually bring a transformation, not just a transformation, can utterly change your life. Okay? So that's as far as we're going to go now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I was going to suggest was, um, what time were we going to have a break? A uh, quarter to three. Okay. Well, we were going to just do a little bit more chanting in this Om Hari Om. Um, what I'd like to suggest is next round, if you have some questions. We'll, won't speak too long and we'll open up for questions so we can try and address them. If you have any question, don't, please, please, please don't be shy. Sometimes people wonder, oh, it's, maybe it's a silly question. No. When we are talking about such things, there is no silliness to any question. The desire to understand or to know or to hear an answer to something is really, really important. And you will find that if you have some question, probably about 30% or more of the audience will be thinking the same thing. And so you're helping not only yourself but others if you do have a question. The next part of the talk, I'll deal a little bit more with the, the nature of the mind and what should be the nature of our, I'm going to use a far out word, relationship with the mind. The reason that we can think of things that way or we should think of things that way is because 
the mind is not you. The mind is something that is separate from you. It may be having a deep influence. It may have you completely under its grip. But just because stuff's going on in the mind, that does not define you. You are separate from the mind. That is why you have the ability to try and control it. Being in a situation where you're trying to focus and your mind's flying away and you've got to bring it back into a focus. You know, everybody's had these experiences of trying to concentrate, trying to focus the mind. It's like it's, it's independently just raging and doing its own trip. And here you are trying to bring it under control and focus it. And the reason you can do that is because you are not the mind. You are separate from it. Unfortunately, we are encouraged in the current social environment, society, to actually exercise no control. And wherever it wants to go, that we should just follow it. And that is being defined as freedom. But no, that can lead to enslavement. You can become utterly victimized by an out-of-control mind. Okay? So, um, was that, was, is that okay with you guys? Or No? Yeah? We'll probably come back after the break and there'll be about five people left. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's it's interesting stuff. So um we'll do the the same mantra again. Om Om Hari Om. I'll use a a different uh, tune.